Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins in the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Craig Hill Morning Show. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. Pete Blackburn from CBS Sports. What are you guys doing? Putting on the foil. Every game. Yeah, you want some? No. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Everything gonna be all right? <laughs> Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market. Give me a great The official supermarket of the Boston Bruins and by Red River Technology. Brought your cars with you, huh? Yeah, we're on the road. All set to go. Lace them up for some bees talk right now. We got a lot of losses. Yeah, we got a lot of losses. Sunday skate, I'll give it a big B plus. On Sports Radio WEEI. All right, you've seen the matchup twice this week. Who is the better hockey team, your Boston Bruins or the Tampa Lightning? After a win in Tampa Tuesday, last night a 5-3 win for the Lightning, 617-779-7937. want to talk about team toughness on both sides after last night's game, guys. Uh, Matt Kalman is here, his birthday. Pete Blackburn back from Maine and a uh, recharge of the batteries last week. Our second hour of the show. If you missed the first hour, it'll be up at WEI.com. Fairly shortly, but uh, we welcome you. We'd like your input, and uh, I gotta say, I'm common. I-, I was one of those guys before the year that had Tampa as the team to beat. Watching play this week, I know it's without Stamkos. That's a big, you know, asterisk to put on it, and he should be back if these teams yeah, meet again. Hedman missed half the game too. Right? What happened to him last night? He Nobody knows. Minutes, huh? Nobody knows. Um, I-, I like Boston's chances a whole lot better after this week. I, I like their response last night. I thought early on. Tuca let them down. In fact, we had a texture. Another big game failure for Tuca. We were just talking about Rask's Vez. I, I, it wasn't horrible, but uh, those first two goals were pretty brutal all around. And they came back in the game and and, and uh, made a game of it. And I thought the the officials kind of jobbed them with the Marchand penalty there at the end of the second, which which turned into the power play goal. But I, I head-to-head, watching these two teams this week, I think Boston's the better team, Pete. I really I, do. I mean, if you look at the six periods and you want to break it down that way, I think the Bruins were the better team in four of them. So four out of six, I I agree. What were the two they were not? First uh, period last night. I, yeah, I still just, think they 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 were solid. Yeah, I think you know the second period, period last night was actually the worst. Early period. Yeah, period. I, I would say that the second period last night, and then uh, I forget was it the second period last week. Well, the third the third the period, period they kind of they just went into shell mode in Tampa. Right. Oh, five yeah, on five right, play though. Period. Generally, they've they've owned five on five in these two games, uh, and obviously there's a lot more to to a game than that. Yes, yeah, so I, I mean, I guess if you're Tampa, you want to mix it up like you did last night and, and 
throw the Bruins off and and try to get True. them to not on, not five on five because they're they I think they were getting run over last night uh, for a good portion of that game. You know, I think after the first period they were down to nothing but you you went into the intermission saying well if they keep playing like this you know it's that 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 lead's going to be a race because the Bruins are running all over them better team at Boston or Tampa well Tampa's won three out of the four games I mean are we going beyond this week I think one of them was overtime right it was a shootout loss or a, an OT yeah, loss whatever so, I mean it's with Stamkos I think the Lightning probably still are better they probably still have more talent and, and more wow. depth just based on um the, the known quantities. I mean, we've talked so much about Kasha and Richie being unknowns. Yep. And if you're putting in Bjork, you don't really know how he's going to respond. And I think the Lightning have the guys. I mean, now clearly the, the playoff track record of the, some of these guys, you know, which last year being their only experience, guys like, you know, Sergachev and Sorelli, uh, only going back only a couple of years, maybe it's not great, but you kind of like gotta like their their play and and obviously the goaltender too. I mean he's come up big in, in big situations. That's what, I mean I was just gonna mention that too is you know when they won the previous two, uh, it was when Vasilevsky wasn't at his best at right. least you know in terms of the the bigger picture. I, I don't recall how he played in those previous two games, but you know when they had those games, he wasn't playing up to the level that he is now. The big the quote unquote big trade deadline acquisition for Tampa. Coleman, Blake Coleman, who came from Jersey, I haven't seen much out of him in these two games. I don't, yeah. I don't know if he, you guys he, have. But he was mixing it up last night. So he was doing this. He's sort of in the Kasha category. Right. He's not getting the results, but he's making contributions on yeah. a nightly he's like, basis. He's like part Kasha and part Richie right now because he's actually getting, he's playing physical. But but Goodrow is too. Like that, I think yeah. I think he was a nice ad for them. People didn't like so they overspent well, for him. They overspent for yeah, him, but why not? Bad. Why not when you're the Lightning? You need to do something. And they clearly needed to add these guys, and they did the right thing. And if... If any, if last night is any indication, this is a different kind of Lightning team that I think, you know, my biggest issue with them losing to Columbus was that they went out in four straight and never looked like they were going to do, not necessarily literally fight, but they didn't seem to have much fight as a team. And this is a scenario now where even if they go down 3-0 in a series, they're not going to go down lightly with this, with all this bulk and this with ferocity on the team. I, I think they overpaid for the two guys that they got, but I, you, when you look at it, they, they had their their options were limited. The two guys that they got were cost controlled and very very affordable and, and, and on good deals. So, and, and this goes back to what we're, we're, Ken and I and, and, and you, Pete, have all have said before the deadline, or some, to an extent, was that with the Bruins, okay, you spent this first round pick to get rid of Backus to add Kasha. Why not take another step, trade another draft pick to get a Brendan Dillon type? To protect yourself, if you lose a defenseman, you're not going to John Moore. You're going to someone else. Make sure everything is shored up instead of, okay, we're, we're throwing everything into one guy or two guys, and we might not be perfect on this other position. Make sure you have enough depth. I mean, we were just talking off air about Islanders. They did the same thing. They, they put all their marbles into getting Pajot, but completely ignored the weakness that they the major weakness they have, which is scoring off the wing. And now they're they're paying the price for it. The Lightning, on the other hand, said, "Well, considering what we did last year, we need to really go." This, the Lightning went all in, right? You trade a first round pick for a Barkley Goudreau, you're not really thinking about winning the trade as much as winning games and, and winning the cup. And that's the well, way. That's, well, the, that's pro- the different approach. The, the, it's not a problem, but the Bruins like Lazan so much. If they yeah. trade for Brendan Dillon, then you're benching Lazan, and what good is that? I mean, he, well, finally I, the young as guy I've said before, I think you're. When you talk about load management, it goes to those that bottom pair too. And Lausanne's a left shot. He could play with Dylan in certain situations, certain matchups. Matt Grizzlick doesn't have to be in there every game getting oh, his rear end kicked. Really? 
So you start rotating Grizzlick. I like Grizzlick a lot. I mean, yeah, but have you seen him play lately? I mean, it's not he's not uh, Tory Krug by a long shot. If anything, we've learned how much more valuable Tory Krug is. I mean, Matt Grizzlick is a nice third pair defenseman against certain teams. He can move the puck. And but you know he's going to get beat up. He takes way too many hits. He's not as quick as as, as some of the guys would lead you to believe based on his size. And I'm not saying he's going to be benched forever. I'm saying you would rotate him and you would you would load manage these guys to the point where you're matching up against certain teams. I don't know. That seems like a slow pair, Lazan and uh, and Dylan. If that's your your third pair, I, I like Grizzlick, but I, I I don't think that's the biggest issue on this team. One of the questions. It's not th- the biggest issue. It's called an issue. Well, it's you, an issue of Carlos. Didn't sir. necessarily address. And you might have left a loose end when you were going all in or in it to win it, whatever the, the slogan is. My was. question is, do you think that Tampa now, based off of what you've seen last night or this week in the bigger picture, is that a team with some nasty and is that going to to affect the Bruins in a seven-game series? I don't think it's going to affect the Bruins. I think we saw last night that the, as far as the Lightning are concerned, the Bruins can match the nasty, whereas maybe they, they weren't able to quite match St. Louis's. Now, well... St. Louis amp it up even more now, or Tampa Bay will amp it up even more when they get to the playoffs. We don't know. We don't know what these guys are going to respond to. We don't really know what uh, what some of these guys can bring in the playoffs and if they can really te- te- get it. But the Bruins clearly have the more experience in that. Yeah. In that I also think that uh, if Tampa decides that they want to get nasty, and especially in a seven-game series where you're seeing these guys over and over and over again, you, I think Nikita Kucherov is one of the dirtiest players in the league, the most underrated dirty players in the <laughs> league, true. and there's a good chance that he gets suspended well, in Tyler a seven-game series. Too, which, <laughs> Tyler Johnson's a pretty sneaky little guy, too. He's more sneaky than Kucherov is, though, in terms of being able to hide his dirtiness. <laughs> Kucherov, I, I believe it was, was it last year in the playoffs or two years in the go, uh, go in the playoffs? Right. Kucherov got suspended for like one of the dirtiest yeah. plays that I've seen in a long time. Right. So it was last year, wasn't it? I believe it was time? last yeah. year. Yeah. And, and, you know, he just cross check a guy like right. who was down on the ground. Right. So, uh, you know, I think that's worth keeping in mind. You know, Tampa has to, if they decide they want to get nasty, they have, you have to give them confidence in being able to find the line between nasty and stupid and yeah. i don't know if they can do that he also got benched earlier this year which i guess was just for a period or i don't know how long he was actually benched for but just tampa is like mentally fragile you know what i mean they 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 just seem like a team that could come undone again in a series this year and yeah i, I mean Boston well, when you advantage, don't big i mean time. they've made these additions but the core is still the same right the coach is still the same so clearly if if they don't get over that hurdle and they, yeah, they're mentally damaged. I mean, you can totally see where if they're going to keep falling into the same into the same thing, especially the same if they're problems. trying to, to to play to an identity that doesn't really fit them. Yeah, right. Or, uh, well, that's that's. But you brought up a good point. Maybe against Boston, it does fit them. You know, if they're not the better team five on five, well, except, maybe they do need that. Except there. you know, I would say except for Sorelli last night, they pretty much did it within the lines of hockey pandemonium. They they didn't step over the line, but I often. You've seen teams like that when they try to play that way, they start taking penalties, they start doing right. stupid stuff. That might actually play into the Bruins' hands and, more than anything. And the Bruins sort of like helped them last night because they were willing to to, to answer that bell. And I think that right. you know part of that was that they wanted to prove that they have that as well. Uh, whereas you know if you play a team that's that sticks to the mindset, well, we're not going to get into this stuff. We're just going to beat you as a hockey team. Like say say Tampa gets Toronto in the first round. Toronto's not going to be one of those teams that's that's going to you know answer the nastiness. Tampa's I mean, Toronto's going to try to be a team that just straight up beats you hockey wise. Tampa's going to sweep them. That's that's the worst case scenario. Tampa sweeps the Leafs. I don't think that they're going to sweep them. You don't? No, I think that I think that Toronto could be a team that 
you know, people take lightly going. I mean, they, they have their issues for sure, but I, I do think that there's enough talent there to give the team problems. What, what they win a, they win Tampa, a game. Toronto, five, yeah, maybe five. Well, I mean, obviously, you don't want to lean on injuries, but clearly, with Riley out, Muzzin out, I don't, you don't even know what this Leafs team is going right. to look like if they even make it. I mean, maybe it's maybe Florida will win a couple of games and, and pass them at this point. I mean, that team is a mess, and the goaltending is bad. They just won. They just earned one point on a three-game trip to California. How do you do that? Well, it's unbelievable. You have to really try hard to not win a game when you go to California now. Well, speaking of tr- trying hard to not win a game, you can't overlook the fact that Tampa got into the playoffs last year and, and lost four games to a team that backed, skated backwards into the playoffs. That was one of the all So let's not give him a sweep over the Leafs just yeah, yet. Yeah, it's the Leafs. Although Calvin had him 13th in his, his new power rankings, which was a stunner. 13th. That is so much respect from you. It's They're, unbelievable. It's, half, it's the middle of the pack. I honestly expected Detroit, Ottawa, Toronto. Like 32nd, 31st, 30th when I was clicking through the slideshow. That just blew me away. Way too I, much I think respect. That, I think that I had him around there, too, in my power rankings. Nobody, nobody could drop below Detroit because that's a goddamn embarrassment this year. <laughs> and seriously, they should be shamed. All right, here's uh, John Cooper, the Lightning coach, last night with the uh, quote of the night. He is uh, feeling the toughness, feeling the Lightning's up. Uh, a push in energy. Here's what he said. Like things like this are going to happen. It was two pretty darn good hockey teams that wanted to win a game. And uh, guys are sticking up for each other. You know, everybody just gets a little taller on the bench. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those games that you don't see it as much anymore, but intimidation still is a factor. You know, when, when you, can, you, look the, you, know, you look the tiger in the eye uh, and don't back down, as, like I said, everybody grows on the bench. So... Look the tiger in the eye. How do you not use a bear analogy there? It's, <laughs> right, a, it's right. a Bruins. Good point. Look the bear in the eye. So is he saying they intimidated Boston or Boston was trying to intimidate them and they weren't intimidated? Or uh, I'm not sure what he's saying. But he, he he's I'm obviously think, feeling think, good about a win. Five, I think he's win. saying considering his last playoff experience was a four-game sweep where his team just laid down, he's saying that that was a playoff caliber game and that he's just impressed that his team came to play for once instead of just trying to be a skilled team and and getting plowed over. The shorthanded goals allowed in the first period. Now, this was more of an issue last year, but uh, is that potentially rearing its ugly head? I mean, it's it's one game. I don't want to overreact to it, but that was a bad sequence there. What, and, you know, the Pasternak misplay on the first one, you're not going to change your scheme and put a defenseman there, right? It's just right. they're not going to do that. They're gonna, not going to put two, two defensemen out, so I don't know how, how you change that. The second one was just an embarrassment, though. God, was that bad. Yeah, I think, I mean, the first one probably throws you off your confidence off a little bit, but, I mean, the second one was, was bad all over the place. You want to save from Tuca there, but it's hard to fully blame him when you kind of run around like a chicken with your head cut off in, the, in your own zone. So, uh, you know, I, I, it, I'm i not going to read too much into it based on of how good the power play has been all year long. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, just, I don't want to overreact, but obviously that was a, a real bad two minutes for that team. All right, who's the better team, Tampa or Boston, and your thoughts on last night? And the 5-3 loss, we go to Chris in Plainville to start us off this hour on Sunday Skate. Hello, Chris. Hey, guys. Um, the Blues uh, showed uh, last year how to beat the Bruins. They could out-physical them along the boards. They could take their first line out of the game. What about the Bruins this year? And e- even during this year when you, they everyone hit Pasternak and Bergeron and those guys and Marshan, <clears throat> when they took the physical game to the Bruins, what a part of this team thinks that we're going to be able to get over a series or two that is played just like we played last night and like we played against the Blues last year and lost. So you don't think they're tough enough, Chris, is what you're saying? Or, or able uh, to... They don't have an answer for their first line being shut down physically. 
And Tuca is, uh, in Game 7 is just killing me. But what makes you think that, that Tampa is going to be able to do that in a seven-game series? I, I, I guess the, the question wasn't specifically about Tampa, uh, but I, I think that you know one game is – I don't want to overreact to, to one game. I mean, the top line has been so good all year long. I think that you know we've seen the Bruins' top line get shut down in the playoffs before uh, you know, on a game-by-game basis, and they haven't fared well. But uh, the, the bigger challenge is to try to shut that down in a seven game series all the way through or enough to win four games. Well, I just, I just, I've seen the, uh, that would be my biggest concern is that the secondary scoring. I'm not worried right. about the toughness. Right. I'm worried about the secondary scoring. And that's the Kasha Richie move. Lightning thought Coleman Goudreau was their answer. And last night they looked all right. Richie and Kasha, like we've talked about all right so far, but who's going to make a difference? Yeah. I mean, and you yep. talk about the Blues, like the a big strength of the Blues and why they were able to win was that they got contributions from their four lines. Right. And, you know, they, they never took their foot off the gas right. or, or I mean, you know, surrendered when they got leads and, and things like that. And it's, you know, I don't know if I've seen enough from the four lines to feel super confident that I mean, they're going to be able to you, win on the on, well, on depth. We also have to look at the fact that Marshan was playing with a bad hand. Pasternak was playing with a bad hand. So that, right. that kind of factored in. Secondly, I'm not putting... All my eggs in this idea that they, St. Louis was so much tougher, but there was an element of their forecheck, especially their sure. fourth liners, wearing down the Bruins, the knocking Matt Grizzlick out of out of the series. It's how they got to the Stanley Cup final in the first place. <laughs> exactly. They took out the the Sharks half the right. roster. So there is there is something to be said for that. But nonetheless, I mean, you know, Ken's already ready to drown Kasha in the river in the Charles River here. But we can't <laughs> we can't destroy him yet because at the same time last year, Ken and I were talking that. Deadwood Johansson. Yeah, that was what we played. called him. Well, he was hurt. He wasn't even on the ice. Right. So we didn't think he was going to bring anything, and it didn't look like he was going to bring anything in that Toronto series either because he was still hurt. He was trying to get back, and it looked like they might actually lose that series before we could get going. So we can't you know, say right now they didn't make the right moves, but did they definitely get the right guys? We, you know, From day one of the trade deadline, we've said these are two question marks that we don't know if they're going to be able to contribute the right way in the in the in the playoffs. And even if they started scoring, if Kasha goes on a six game goal streak now, we still won't know what he does until we see how he responds in the playoffs because that's what matters. Well, last night I, it, the plus minus was not good, but the top line five on five I thought looked pretty good. They had a lot of chances. I mean, Pasternak scored the one power play goal, but they they had several chances. Yeah, I mean, they they, they certainly like over they shut down. They, they, they definitely found the times they were overpassing again. I mean, Pasternak is the most unselfish forty-eight goal scorer in the in the world. It's just unbelievable. He'll never beat Ovechkin in a goal race because Ovechkin never passes up a shot. This guy's constantly passing up shots, so that that's a big difference. But yeah, I mean, five on five, they're fine. The plus minus is such is thrown off by the fact that they gave up two shorties, and those are minuses. I mean, some guy called t- text here says Krug was a minus four. Were you watching it? Well. Does that mean Krug had a bad game because he was on the ice with two shorthanded goals? I mean, he did. He he was directly and responsible an, and for an, the and an empty net goal. For the second, I thought, started that whole string. But yeah, there, uh, there was a comedy a comedy of errors. And again, we've said already too that Tuca should have made that save. I mean, that's that's a pretty bad goal. Yeah. All right, uh, we will trend coming up. I want to talk more about uh, Krug, Halak, DeBrusque. Revisit the subject we touched on last week, but you wrote about Halak. There's a big decision looming with this franchise uh, in the off season, depending on the salary cap, right? But maybe they maybe their backup goalie uh, will be gone if Tuca's going to be back for the long term. Does that matter? We'll talk about some of the offseason contract issues of this team. But here's uh, trending now.
You're listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Greg Hill Morning Show, Pete Blackburn from CBS Sports, and WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins, and by Red River Technology. We play games without the fans? Yeah. No. I ain't playing. <laughs> I ain't got the fans in the crowd. That's what I play for. Play for my teammates, play for I play for the fans. That's what it's all about. So if I show up to a arena and ain't no fans in there, I ain't playing. So they can do what they want to do. Generals gathered in their masses. Well, LeBron says he's not playing if the fans don't show up. Calvin's not going to the games if he can't cover the what locker they, room. What do they think that was so why do they all think it was so funny about what he said? My God, they're <laughs> laughing like they're at a freaking Dave Chappelle show. I don't think it's a, that's that bad of a take from LeBron James. I mean, like, who wants to play in front of an, an empty arena? I mean, I get it's still your job, you gotta go do it, but I mean I, I don't blame him for being like this this would this would suck. So you think players would boycott and just not no, come? No, I, I don't mean, think so, but I mean I don't think it's that ridiculous to laugh at the guy or call him uh, what did uh, what's his name call him yesterday uh, on the on the update? Oh, Patrick Gilroy. Yeah, so I, 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 sure. I, I don't know if I'd go that far. Oh, really? But, I mean, I, I don't think it's that ridiculous. No, I mean, they were laughing at his like at what he said, like as if he was telling a joke or something. It's well, this quote from Gary Bettman is: uh, did, did he, Was he in Carolina last night or what? Sarah Sidian had the quote. I'm not sure if I've seen it anywhere else, but anyway. On, in regards to the uh, locker room being shut down, because this Elliot Freeman said starting today, the NHL will close dressing rooms to the media. That didn't happen because, Matt, at first that you were worried it was going to be in effect last night. And then well, what, that's what he tweeted. It said it was going to be in effect. What did the Bruins say? They just said, we're, yeah, the we're Bruins right away it. said, no, it hasn't been hasn't been mandated by the league and everything stays status quo. And <laughs> as far as I know, only one team decided to close the locker room last night. And who the, was that? The Rangers. The Rangers closed it. Okay. Yeah, well, James Dolan. <laughs> well, so what does that mean? Well, he probably looked around to make sure he could ban celebrities from his building too, or whatever. You know, <laughs> picking fights with the with the legends of his organizations. Who knows? Well, players would love this, right? Close the close the dressing room. They would all would love that. Would, would I would assume so. Yeah, I mean, they, of course they would love it because then even I mean, it's it's hilarious now how they get to hide from the media to begin with. You know, especially post game, they bring out two or three guys. The rest of the team right. goes out the back door. But yeah, this way, if they were just bringing a couple guys to the podium and they never have to answer like a follow up question or anything, but, that'd be uh, a joy for them. So Bettman says, "Quote: As you all know, the locker room is a very intimate environment, and players are not always fully clothed." And it may be the best to have media accessibility at the podium for everybody's health and safety, end quote. <laughs> so I, I was not aware coronavirus and, and clothing, the level of clothing were, I mean. I, I want to know what Gary, how Gary Bettman thinks you can track the coronavirus. Just looking at some, <laughs> some naked butt cheeks and boom, you got the coronavirus. Uh, I, I also mean, I don't know if I would describe the, uh, the NHL dressing room as an intimate place. <laughs> You hardly ever see anybody actually getting that's true too. dressed yeah. anymore in the dressing room where you talk. They're all in like three piece suits by the time. They yeah, they out. all they all have extra you know this changing area where they go to. I mean, maybe they walk through sometimes, especially at Warrior after practice. They have to walk through sometimes in a towel. But other than that, this isn't the days of some guy you know dropping his dropping trowel right in front of you 
that, that, that ended, I think like, it's still like that in the ago. NFL a lot of the time. It's like a, we've seen in the past couple of years right, there yeah. are some some yeah. uh, miscues on the TV news stations <laughs> where there's a guy in the background. Because well, uh, those guys are so big, they can't have like a changing area. They need to like right, keep them so, in a big pen. Yeah, I don't think that the the nakedness is an issue in the NHL locker rooms, both in terms of just it happening to begin with and also catching the coronavirus from it. Well, Dan Shaughnessy had a good tweet about this yesterday in regards to, because uh, you, you mentioned Grant Wall, soccer guy, had said uh, many journalists will disagree. I honestly don't think we need to be in the locker room. In Europe, right, they, they never talk to the media, like all year. None of those Euro teams, I think, talk oh. to the press at all. But Shaughnessy said no one would ever discover anything just the way teams want it. Exactly. That's true. I mean, I, so especially in an NHL locker room where it's all it's it's a bunch of cliches and you know it's recycled yeah, but, answers. But I, uh, first of all, I'm very insulted. No one ever reads my stories and sees the different things I get. Thanks a lot, guys. You guys are great co-hosts. Second of all, but like, the, do you, like do you writers think, talk to the players and they get stuff that way in the right. dressing rooms? Sometimes off the record, sometimes leading you know okay. day to day basis. So how would you do that if things. the rooms were closed? Uh, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I'm saying they talk think, at the podium. But you don't get the you, the writers <laughs> don't get the those daily guy. conversations that lead to other stories that right. you wouldn't necessarily get if you were talking off the record. Sound and things bo- like that. Sound Ken here just wants to go to the podium and get his get his five minutes of sound <laughs> and then go home. You know, but I don't really think that that I mean the average fan doesn't care and it's hard for them to get upset that that Matt and all his buddies well, they, are getting no. locked out of the dressing room. But they would be upset if they weren't doing their job. They would be upset if there was just the Boston Globe left because they'd have the only one that can financially sustain. Not not having original content, you know the athletic Ken's Ken's favorite website, the, like athletic. the athletic. Ken has an athletic tattoo. <clears throat> if you didn't know this, on the butt cheek, they would not exist if they weren't allowed to have these conversations. There's just so many parents and grandparents and uncles and junior coaches you can call before you run out of story ideas. If you're not actually getting have a relationship with the players, Ken. Well, I'm and reading your story you, from last night. Where you have two you, quotes. You have one Ken, from Shara a, that says we put a lot of emphasis on having. Ken, each that was backs. that's a column. That's I'm not a sure story. We could have got that at the podium. Speak for yourself, Matt. <laughs> Defend yourself here. <laughs> Not against Ken and his nonsense. He's a radio guy at heart. He has no idea. I used to cover the locker room for 10 radio, years. Radio guy, radio guy at heart shows up at game time, leaves five minutes after the game with his sound. That's it. Mostly Does, doesn't right. go to a morning, city. There, doesn't right? go to a morning skate 10 a.m., you know, and then get home at 1 in the morning, and then come into a radio show at 5.30. I get up at, four, I get up at 3 in the morning every, week, every day oh, of the sit, week. Oh, wow, to sit there and, and listen to Greg Hill do all the work. What do you oh. do? You sit there and you just press You've buttons. You've not heard our show. I am the star, six to 10. But I'll tell you the stories of Sunday Skate. It is Fred in New Hampshire who last oh, week God. declared we needed to see more from pasta. That that soundbite was uh, ripping around uh, the, the region. Now, well, Pete, Pete, you weren't here to hear this, but Freddie, do you want to defend yourself from last, last week's take that pasta's not doing enough? Yeah, I'll defend myself. What what happened on the first goal? Oh, yeah. Where's pasta? Who's, who is the fastest guy on the ice? Did, did pasta back check and t- take that guy off the puck? No. He could have done that, but I mean, I think he had a nice game last night, and, and uh, he he put himself in a in position to have that uh, breakaway shot. And even though he didn't make it, that's fine. But he put himself in position to do that. But on that first goal, that was his fault. I mean, he missed the puck. You're right. You would go, and he's the fastest guy on the ice. Agreed. Uh, well, he should have been able to pick that guy up. Kosh is supposed to be the fastest, right? The new Energizer Bunny. I think he means the guys that are on the ice. All the guys that are on goal, the ice, but yeah. He, he got to he got to the blue line in the in the defensive zone and he stopped skating. Just gave it up. Anyways, that's what not what I want to talk about today. Good, but I'll still stick with it until I see uh, the old pasta come back. Anyways, um, 
I would like to give props to Henry Richard. Um, 20 years in a league, and I only give props to Montreal Canadiens players after they're dead. So that's uh, just one of those things. But um, 20 years in a league, and he had 11 Stanley Cups. Jeez. That is amazing. And only being 5'7", and playing in the days that, that what happened last night was just common occurrence, and to, to play as many games as he did. I mean, the second last year that before he retired, he played 75 games. He had 19 goals and 36 assists. In his Not too bad for a guy in his 40s, huh? Now, the game last night, Anthony Sorelli. Yep. Ooh, he's a tough guy, huh? <laughs> Should be wearing a pink hat, cross-checking, showering. How about back. that? That, that, I mean, you put, you know, they poked Lazan last night. They poked the wrong bear. Sorelli, um, you better have your head on a swivel when you show up. If, if they do meet him, in the, the playoffs, because um, that's not going to be forgotten. Thank you, the, thank you Freddie. Uh, oh, good. You want one more thought? Yeah. The DeBrusque goal this, this week, yep. that was a thing of beauty. He was not to be denied. And the one last thing is on Carlo. I mean, how the guy elbows him right in the mouth. We all know what the rules say. And nothing is done. Even the next day, they don't even, you know, have a telephone call. <laughs> I mean, after what happened in, in the Stanley Cup Finals last not in the Finals, but in the Stanley Cup Playoffs last year, where that puck hit the hit the netting, fell down, and they still scored, they let him score the goal, no yep. whistle. I mean, uh, the refs got to start looking at themselves. Take care, guys. Thank you, Freddie. A lot of good points there. Well, you knew after after they gave him two minutes, they weren't gonna then have a Department of Player Safety meeting about yeah, it. No, I mean, they can't downgrade it from five to two and then suspend the guy. Yeah, I, 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 I still think that you know the fact that they had it at five, looked at it, and then downgraded it was crazy to me. Yeah, and he intended to elbow him. We argued this in hour one, but it's fine. Uh, in regards to Sorelli, uh, the cheap shot to the back of Char. I mean, yeah, just total bush league. I don't even know what the argument is. Just the guy's engaged with the ref and with Pat Maroon, and he gets nothing for it. So yeah, he takes the ensuing face off. I mean, that's the craziest part of that for me. Can they review that? Could they go back to the to the footage and because the NBA started to, to do that stuff? Right? I don't Where think they, so. I don't believe not, so. Yeah, I not. think that the only way that you can go and review penalties is if you give them the major, and then you can go right. go look at it. Or if it's like, you, like Fred brought up about the puck coming in the netting and all that. But the but the the big killer was the Marshan penalty at the end of the period, which you said you kind of agree with, or, or I don't know if Pete said it. And I, don't yeah, I don't know if I agree with it. It just I think that you got to be smarter. If it wasn't Marshan, they wouldn't have done it. You got to you got to be smarter in that period in yeah. in that moment. I mean, they're just coming off like a full basically line brawl, and they're trying to calm things down. But things were basically all settled at that point. They're both heading off the ice, and he reaches over a linesman, over an official, and and whacks a guy with his stick. It was a little tap. Sure, but you got to be you got to be smarter. They're, the refs are on high alert. They're trying warned. to shut things down yeah. there. But it, you know, it's it, not something they're worth taking. It, but the officials there dictate the game. That's the problem. It's like, uh, all right, okay, Marsh engine, but that swings the entire game. That gives Tampa the win, basically. Yeah. I know, yo, know, you could say they got to come out and kill a penalty. They didn't. But uh, that's, okay. a, that's a huge swing. Instead, you had the momentum, too. Right, totally. Uh, I, I think, yeah, you can make a case the Bruins win that game, if not for that call. Now, back to Halak. Uh, you wrote about him this week, Matt. Sorry to rip your uh, journalistic uh, work at EEI.com. I like this. You're talking about uh, Yarrow's final days, and Cassidy was saying Tuca's uh, in, in playoff form or this week, right? Yeah. Maybe not so much last night, but uh, we were talking about his Vezina, uh possibilities. 
Yarrow's not going to be playing very many games here. Now, the final 13 games of the regular season, they'll rotate whatever, but do you think he's gone? Like, uh, fait accompli, he's out of here after the year? It would it would take a uh, a compromise, you know, of the the equivalent, the relative equivalent of a Pasternak taking what he took money-wise and Marshan took to, uh, to keep him here, I would say. Because, I mean, there's going to be so many teams lining up for good goaltending, and even though he's going to be 35, yeah. The way he's performed and the fact that he showed that he can not only play this way but do it playing one out of every three, you know, it's so hard to find players or goalies that can do that where they come in and out of, you know, Bruce Cassidy's always talking about which players can do that, that you'd have to think that a team, whether it's a New Jersey, a San Jose, now it's going to come down to whether he wants to, to move, but there will, there will be competitive teams that are going to be able to offer him a decent amount of a raise on this. And like what kind of money are we talking about? Two-year deal for... Well, he's, he's at, he's at 2.75 now. You would think normally you wouldn't get much more, but I think the way he's performed and the way that... And the cap going. Goaltending's gone and the cap's gone. And the fact that just teams are so desperate for goal. How many teams can you look at right now can say the goaltending killed their season? Yeah, but my my counter-argument to that is is how many teams how many of those teams are going to look at Yaroslav Alok and, and say that we're going to... We're gonna have this guy be our number uh, no. one. No, well, that's just it. I'm, I'm not, I'm, that's why I didn't finish, so... He's at two point seven five. I could say I could see a team giving him four million if they have like another guy who's making four or five. You know, the Bruins have Tuca at seven and him at two point seven. So it's San nine. Jose. So it's basically ten. So San Jose or you know any if if Vancouver loses Markstrom, uh, New Jersey clearly depending on what happens with Schneider. I, I keep looking at them. Um, I don't know what Buffalo's. You know, I guess they have the one prospect who's coming up. I'm not sure where they're situated. There are just so many teams that you look at that say, well, goaltending could be the difference between this team. Well, either if, depending where they are, they could be the difference between them contending for a championship and being a mediocre playoff team, or just being a team that desperately needs to get in the playoffs and needs to get a guy who can maybe come in and combine with somebody and give them the hell of buck effect that Winnipeg's getting. You know, so I would say he can get he can get it. He, first of all, I mean the big thing, the big sticking point for me right now is not the money. I think the Bruins could afford to keep him. It's just whether they want to give him the security of making sure not only that he signs a multi-year deal, but that he's not going to be in Seattle. I think he doesn't want to give up that control, and who would want to give up that control if you're signing somewhere you want to stay there? So maybe a team that doesn't have uh, that is desperate for goaltending, that doesn't have a goalie coming up the pipeline, will say, "We'll not only give you two, three years at you know three and a half, four, we'll also give you a no move at least for the first two years, yeah. so you're not going to be a Seattle Kraken or whatever." So the obvious question is, what's Boston's plan? Their their best prospect we heard this week from Mark Diver is the main Black Bears junior. Yeah, I think, but I think we also talked up Vladar and I, I watched him Friday again, small sample size. Um, he's in the zone. He, he's obviously made the strides he has to make improvement wise. He's uh, much more positionally sound, but willing to make, uh, you know, come out of his structure to make some, some saves and he'll, he'll at least be in the mix and you're just going to have to go out and find, you know, they have these these metrics that taught that told them. I mean, remember, Hudobin ended up not being a bad signing. Obviously, right. clearly, like you said, Dallas plays even more defensive minded than the Bruins because obviously, if they if they if they played a little more of a two way game, they'd be a much better team than they are. But um, you know, you got to find that that next diamond in the rough, probably, and probably on a one year deal. But you're still going to have to have somebody to expose to Seattle, so it's, it's going to be dicey to see you know what they what they do as far as that's why the Rangers right they traded for Barubi. So that they have that extra goalie to, to, to expose, and the Bruins are going to have to think that way to find that that goalie with the experience. That even if it's a guy who plays a Providence, that you can give up to Seattle. I mean, it's not worth overlooking too. That I mean, Tuca's deal is going to be expiring, right? So yeah. you may not have any goalies to protect. 
So well, you would assume that they resign him before it comes to that. I don't think they're going to let Tuca go to July. You would one. assume, but I mean, he's on the verge of winning a Vezina, yeah. uh, possibly this year. He's got one year left heading into next year. Right. We saw what Bobrovsky got as a as an older goaltender with a couple Vezinas. Are you going to be giving that money? To, to Tuka Rask. But the problem is Tuka will never go back to being a 60-game guy, right? Like a 65-game guy. Right. He's, he's now a Right. That's what the Panthers platoon. are thinking they're getting. I mean, stupid Well, they were was. stupid. Right. <laughs> Think I mean, that. I said that from minute one. Or yeah. from, before it even signed, I said somebody's going to make a mistake with this guy. And I, and I do think that, like, part of me thinks that uh, Bobrovsky might be one of the final mega contract goalies because uh, the league is shifting and, and like I said tandem goalies are becoming more right. of yep. more of a common occurrence and we've just seen how unpredictable goalies can be on a year-to-year basis which is why it's so insane that everybody in this this region or so many people in this region hate Tuca for some reason he's been the most consistent goalie in the league for the past decade right. where goalies aren't consistent. Well, it's going to come back to the argument we keep talking about with, you know, with all these guys is will Tuka fit in the system? You're not going to get more than the 7 million. I think that's uh, a, an artificial yep. team salary cap that this is where you have to fit in. And, you know, the Krug thing is obviously higher up on the priority list and we'll see how that pans out. And then you'll know, A, if every, if Krug, if Krug at this point, he agrees to be part of that structure, then, you know, it's Tuka's has to do it or not. And if, if he leaves because he's not going to be, then it'll be interesting to see what Tuka does. I mean, if you're Tuka Rest, you, I mean, as much as he loves it here, we know his kids are born here, and he, we know he blocks it out, but do you think maybe part of it is like, well, I want to go somewhere where they're going to appreciate me? They don't me. hate me for so, being one of the best goalies in the league. I mean, it, I mean and, it, and the to, fact, be fa- to be fair, it's a, couple, it's a couple of radio hosts and a lot of nitwits on Twitter that have a loud voice. I've never heard Tuka Ras be booed at the garden. I see people with Tuka Ras. If, if, if it sounds you, like Tuka. If you see <laughs> exactly, if you see people out and about uh, functions, and they people like a lot of people like Tuka. There are uh, there is an element of though of the not of the Tuka. And you also, I mean, you have to you have to consider the fact how how long that goes on before he signs a new deal. If it goes throughout the entire year yeah. next year. That's going to be amplified because everybody's going to be talking about it. Right. Well, do you want this guy? Yeah. Do you want to re-sign this guy? I mean, you want he's this not, guy for he's another not, five years? He's not David Price as far as people's opinion of him, right? No, no. So that's that's, that's the difference. It's not as bad as we make it out, the, the, the Tuca hate. But, you know, obviously, I mean, we talk about, like, I talk about like, someone like New Jersey or someone who's been looking for gold thing. Or if, if it comes down to it, Philadelphia, depending on how hard pans out. Yeah, but you think know. about how long the Bruins were that team. The right. Bruins were that team oh, looking just, for a saying, long-term I'm solution to goaltender. Pers- I'm saying from Tuka's perspective, right. wouldn't he love to go somewhere that th- that hasn't had a Tuka Rask for 10 years and, and That's what I'm satisfied. saying. It just drives yeah. me insane that the fans are taking right. f- oh, this for granted the because they, the Bruins were that team well, looking for goaltending for so long. Most of them only started watching hockey in 2011, and they think what Tim Thomas did is what our goalie supposed to do every damn year, you know, start to finish. So that's the way it goes, but... You have to think. I mean, he seems like the kind of guy who just, I mean, especially if the core stays together, you know, with Bergeron and, and however much longer Char is here. I, I think he kind of he, he likes it here enough to maybe be, be part of that structure. I mean, six million, you know, let's say go, go, drops down to six. That's not bad for a goalie in, 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 at his age. I don't think that his number is going to drop down, especially if he wins Vezina this year. I mean, obviously it depends what happens next year, but I, w- I wouldn't, I don't think this number is going to drop. Quick final thoughts of Sunday Skate Bruins Flyers coming up Tuesday. That's next on WEI.
You're listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Greg Hill Morning Show, Pete Blackburn from CBS Sports, and WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins, and by Red River Technology. Home stretch of the first two-hour edition of Sunday Skate. Ken Laird, Pete Blackburn, Matt Kalman coming up top of the hour. Mark James, Wiggy, although Wiggy's on a recruiting trip with his son in Michigan, so he, maybe he's calling in, I don't know. And Courtney Fallon's here as well. Wiggy's going back to school? Uh, I mean, who knows? He could use it. Also, uh, they'll be talking about the uh, latest in Brady Watch, I am sure. You guys were actually talking about Brady during a segment here on Sunday Skate, so don't knock it anymore. I, I heard you getting the latest from Pete. I was talking about Brady Kachuk. I put okay. my name on the board. On the, Finally on, on the board gone now. or stay? All right. Yeah. Which are you? I'm on stay. He's on stay. Got to happen in the next few days though. although tom curran said yesterday uh, Kraft is not stepping in if uh if things get uh, sticky between bill and tom so i'm sure we'll be get four hours of that coming up home stretch uh here of this show I want to get your thoughts on the, the flyers tuesday are they a threat in the east as you see it pete and you know uh, it'll be a good game probably more uh vital for philly to win uh, yeah, in a race. I, I think that they're absolutely a threat. And you look at, I mean, that that team has been, I've been up and down on that team because that team has been up and down all year long and they had their inconsistencies and towards the beginning of the year they weren't beating very many good teams. But over the past month and a half, month, two months, they've been very good. They're, they're a great two-way team. They've been the highest scoring team in the league for the past month and a half. So, you know, if they have that offense going and, and you know, they're a, defensive responsible team and they also just seem to be one of those teams that that just has the energy and the atmosphere around them just those guys kind of buy in they like each other and i think that's really important especially when you're heading into the playoffs they added two uh, third fourth liners at the deadline matt they didn't do much Derek grant and yeah. nate thompson and grant's for, been putting up points right he's got more points than kasha i think for like a fourth <laughs> and a fifth round pick it was like small money yeah uh, they, they knew what they needed they got you know nate thompson you can't go wrong with having nate thompson in the middle of your lineup he's a, a gamer so but I still think they're kind of on the next tier. They're not. I think they're as good as Washington and, and Pittsburgh. Really? Yeah, I do. I don't. I don't buy that yet. I think Provorov still has a lot to prove. He's got so much potential, but I think he's he's in and out. They get the most scoring in the um, league from de- uh, defensemen. If when you're when you're giving half your games to Brian Elliott, I don't trust that. You're not going to be in the playoffs, though, presumably. At this you, point, you I would think. Pick, I would pick them to beat Pittsburgh in a, in a first round series. Nah, Pittsburgh's good. Pittsburgh's so much better. Know, you know, they are not good just, right now. They're just hitting that March lull. I mean, that's what happens. We see it all the time. Um, they're fine. <laughs> okay. Next week, we'll be talking about a Leafs game, a Saturday night Leafs Bruins game, the last of the year. And I'll finish on this tweet. As long as the Bruins are the primary competitor to Toronto, the league will screw the Bruins. <laughs> Did you tweet that at the show? If, the if there's only thing. If there's one thing that I've learned about the NHL over the past few years is that the league will make sure that the Leafs top the Bruins. <laughs> well, I'll take it to Game Seven anyway. Oh, before we go, Happy International Women's Day. Okay, good to know. And Happy Birthday to Calvin. You're not going to say how old you are. I said I was 45. I'm not high. Oh, it. 45. That's not yeah. bad. You're still older than me. I'm not. We've got uh, Skate Pod coming up this week as well. That'll be uh, every Thursday. So check us out on uh, Twitter at the Skate Pod. Pete, thanks. See you next week, guys. It's a two-hour skate from here on out, 7 to 9 every Sunday morning here on Sports Radio WEI.